This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to the world's best construction podcast. I'm your host, Fred, and as always, I'm joined by Luke and Liam. Let's swing on down under to Liam first this week. How you doing, mate? Great, mate. Doing really good. Really, really good. Um, Yeah, haven't been up to much, just like last week. Um, The only thing I've been doing is I actually went and did my menu tasting for... uh, I'm getting married, obviously, in November. Uh, So I just spent the day eating epic food and it's on a winery so we just they're just plowing you with drinks all afternoon it's, it's a great day <laughs> did you make clear decisions or was it just like slurring your uh, words mate, well, to be honest, I, yeah i mean everything just sort of merged into one you know what i mean when you're eating so much food and they just keep bringing food and they were like <laughs> oh, do you have any you know comments or anything like that i was just like mate i've had like five glasses of wine like this just all tastes amazing <laughs> <laughs> I was well for the wedding, mate. <laughs> Who knows does, what food they're going to bring out? <laughs> I, I, exactly. I, I mean, all I want everyone just to turn up and just eat and drink as much as they can to, you know, get my money's worth. That's <laughs> that's the recipe. That's the recipe of a good wedding, right there. I'm sure your wife completely agrees with that as well. It's all that matters is the food and drink. <laughs> well, well you I mean, are your fiance, I should say, fiance. Sorry, that is what people keep telling me. That's well, I mean, I've been to weddings. It is one of the, the, the two key things you remember, right? The food and the yeah. drink. Yeah, that's all I remember uh, from my mate, wedding. Yeah. <laughs> when did you get married? It was like the nineties, wasn't it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Twenty eleven. It's uh, yeah, it's been a, been a while, but yeah, I'm I'm joking. My, my wife listens to this podcast. I remember her eyes, her dress, hey, how magical the whole thing was. What were you doing in 2011, Luke? Um, I was just leaving senior school, mate. Oh, <laughs> I was just leaving senior school. <laughs> so when Fred said that, I was like, "Are you serious? You get married in 2011? Like, it doesn't doesn't add up in my head." I actually, I actually just went to a wedding on the weekend. Really, really good wedding, and it was in East London. I thought of you, Liam, because I was like, "I think this, like, I think Liam liked this area." But it was a a place called the Hackney. In, actually, in the Hackney. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. That was the venue. Receptions was... in the Queen Vic afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. Classic it, East London. <laughs> it was really good. It was a really, really, really good wedding. Like proper hipster. And they live They live in Hackney now. Hackney's like become like proper yeah. hipster central. It's a, bit, it? it's like, a bit too hipster, mate. Guys wearing beanies that don't touch their ears, you know, rolled up. So it's just this <laughs> yeah. little cap kind of thing on them. Just a little kipper <laughs> at the top of their head. A bit too yeah. alternative for me, mate. Yeah, yeah, but it was really good, and the food there was sensational, sensational. And yeah, you're right; that is what I remembered. So, 
there we go. Um, I wanted to just say, right, I've, I've got family down this weekend as well, right, from the Midlands. And uh, uh, there you go, bingo card. And that's something that I say all the time. Oh, from the Midlands, as Liam would say, right? Um, I've had some family down. They were saying in uh, there's there's a pub up there, right, called The Crooked House. Have you guys seen the news on this? The yeah. House pub? Didn't it burn yeah. down or something? Or it was like it was arson attack? Right. So, okay, allegedly, I just wanted to bring this up because it's like it's kind of construction related, I, I suppose, or destruction related. But this this company, right, bought the pub, okay, and, I mean, there are loads of people have been trying, and companies have been trying to get rid of this pub to develop on it, but it's a listed building. It's like the wonkiest pub in, 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 the, in the UK, right? The building is literally crooked. And um, this company buys it in July, and then in August, it's burnt down. And we're talking like fire engines. If fire engines try to get to it, like roads are blocked off and stuff. Allegedly, all of this is allegedly, right? I'm just reading this. <laughs> I wasn't there. I'm reading this all secondhand information. Okay, but it is just it screams dodgy, mate. It screams dodgy, and I think they want to like develop on the site or something. But people are just like that. They're, they're over it. They're like. I think the local residents are demanding like an, in- like an investigation. People are getting arrested. I think they arrested wow. like a third person like on the weekend or last week. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. Do you, do you think they should rebuild the pub just as wonky? <laughs> I mean, I know I don't a few know. builders that could do that for you. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll get on Stop the tools. I'll help. <laughs> Start out with a straight plan and end up wonky. Don't you worry about that. You did seem to uh, deny your involvement quite strenuously there, Luke. You were like, it wasn't me, Your Honour. I'm no. doing me, Gov. And I, I, I told Fred this offline. I was like, before we went, I was like, oh, yeah, have you heard of the cricket, the, the crooked pub thing up in the Midlands? He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, what, was your family involved? I go, Fred, what are you, t- what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? He's, well, I know he's winding me up, but no. It's all good, mate. I thought that was interesting. I'm going to be watching that very uh, closely because it's just it's just fascinating, isn't it? It is. You've seen those yeah, sort of stories unfold. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we've got a good episode coming up for you today, guys. There is lots of things we're going to be talking about, but first of all, we need to do some shout-outs, as I always do. Uh, Get Construction Talking, our mental health initiative, is hossing up over the awesome guys. We are doing an event in Chicago next week on the 19th and 20th of September, You've got me doing a great panel discussion uh, with some fantastic panelists and experts from across the industry talking about the industry's mental health crisis. Uh, I'm also doing a sit-down discussion, me and Olympic swimmer Michael Phelps, which is going to be awesome. I've developed a quick-fire round of questions for him to kind of break the ice and get things going. Uh, His media team, I found out overnight, have taken two of those questions out. So that's how well that's going. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) we've then got... I can't say. They weren't that bad. Uh... They weren't that bad. <laughs> tell anyway, us, tell uh, us off you, mate. Yeah. I'll tell you after the event once I can't get sued by them. <laughs> um, and then on the 12th of October in London, we are doing a breakfast event for Get Construction Talking. Again, this is a free-to-attend breakfast event. There is bacon sandwiches. There are Get Construction Talking mugs. It's a sea containers house with a great view of London. Come along, guys, and register for that. We've also got other events planned around the world through the autumn with details and that all coming soon. 
Uh, but centrally and most importantly, uh, Get Construction Talking is about raising awareness of construction's mental health challenges. You can get more information and links to support over at getconstructiontalking.org. We're also raising money for established mental health charities in construction and would love a donation of any value. Your donations, guys, make a big difference. Even $5 can help someone answer a support line or respond to a sex message so it's really really appreciated uh, on a more upbeat note we have a good episode coming your way today we have the mystery of italy's most controversial bridge a video that came out on the b1m yesterday we're also talking about real madrid's revamped stadium and retractable pitch an absolutely incredible project that has kind of uh, hit the media in the past week or so squaring the whole thing off with some jungle inspired offices in tulum mexico and as always lots of debate lots of analysis on architecture and construction few comments from your week the whole thing is boiled up to make an awesome podcast episode let's do it let's tuck in let's go first this week we are talking about the mystery of italy's most controversial bridge now this is a pretty shocking story that we brought to life in a video on the b1m yesterday it is all about the Strait of Messina Bridge, uh, a crossing that's proposed to link Sicily to mainland Italy across, you guessed it, a bit of water called the Strait of Messina, hence the name Strait of Messina Bridge. When completed, this bridge would turn a 40-minute ferry journey into just a four-minute car drive. So this is huge, right? It could make Sicily a global supply chain hub. It could create an unbroken highway across a continent because then literally you could drive from Scandinavia all the way down to Sicily. Huge, huge route. Um, and could also like really boost the economy in the south of Italy, which would be huge because the south of Italy is historically a bit poorer than the rest of the country. But it's not happening. The bridge has been in the works for more than 50 years now. No one wants to talk about it. It never really seems to go anywhere. Um, and just to show you some of the controversy around this, we weren't even allowed to show you the design renders, so we had to draw our own 3D model of the bridge instead. Like This is a a pretty shocking story i want to get your guys thoughts on this but first of all just a little bit of context for you guys because this isn't your average stretch of water right if you can imagine a map italy and sicily are ridiculously close together it's a no-brainer to try and build a bridge between them actually ideas for a bridge here have been kicked around since roman times this is how long we've been trying to do this but part of the challenge is that as i said the geography makes this a construction project extremely difficult so this stretch of water actually gave birth to the ancient legend of Scylla and Charybdis these kind of mythical monsters that would smash ships against rocks and drown sailors in whirlpools that all came about because the Strait of Messina the bit of water between these two uh, areas of land is is a really violent stretch of water you've got two alternative currents strong enough to rip seaweed from the seabed you've got gales up to 100 kilometers an hour uh, and to top it all off, it also lies right in the middle of a fault line between the African and Eurasian tectonic plates. Uh, back in 1908, the, the strait was the epicentre of a magnitude 7.1 earthquake, which they believe killed up to 82,000 people. So it's not just build a little bridge across a stretch of water. It is a huge, huge undertaking. Hot takes, guys. Before we get into the engineering, what did you make of this project and the kind of story behind it today? I've I've done that ferry from um, Calabria to Messina, and it was the most chaotic thing I think I've ever experienced. We <laughs> could not figure out how to get to the ferry. There's just hundreds of cars, right, just all on the other side of a fence. We drove around for like half an hour. It was like the last ferry of the day. Anyway, we get down to it, 
and you'd think like getting onto your car onto a ferry it'd be like you know um structure there's a bit of structure down there you know you queue up no it was just like hundreds of cars just trying to cut each other off get in front of each other we're trying to figure out how to um buy a ticket um obviously the guy doesn't speak much much english um managed to get a ticket the the ferry um horn blows it's the last ferry of the day and we're, we're you know there's not much down there and um i'm going to get on the the ferry right and this truck just like comes in and tries to like barge it in front of me so i had to like put my foot down <laughs> and just get in front of the truck get on the ferry they open the doors and I'm like, oh no, 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 you're gonna you're gonna hit the car because it's a high car. You know, you're worried, you're like, oh man, I can't be bothered with like scratches and dealing with insurance and things like that. And <laughs> the guy starts pulling the door open. And we had to like push, like hand push my car so it was like just touching the car in front, and then the gate comes up, and there was like, honestly, I reckon like half a centimeter between the the, 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 the gate on the boat <laughs> and my car. So I would I'm all for this. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> it was so stressful. <laughs> I I adore Italy. I adore Italy. But yeah, it is. Um, I think sometimes, sometimes um, it can be a little bit chaotic. And I think if anything, it's it has an absolute charm to it, right? I love the Italians. I love the history there, the landscape, the food, everything. It's just an amazing place. But Mate, if you can if you can shorten a journey from two hours plus, you know, all of the admin and stress on both sides, right, to a four minute car journey, isn't that like that's what infrastructure is about, isn't it? That's what building these huge projects is about. And it's really interesting. You say like Sicily has the potential to be for for, for being like a an economic kind of hub. For Italy and for the Mediterranean, you look at it geographically. It's in such a you know advantageous um, position. So, mate, I, I I think this is it's going to be expensive, but it's a no brainer. You know, and we kind of had this conversation when we were looking back at the Golden Gate Bridge, right? It's like, yeah. yes, it's expensive. Yes, it's a pain. Yes, we're building it in an earthquake zone, but. And it's always that but, but it's it, it, it will benefit not just people now, but generations in the future. Just on uh, the Golden Gate Bridge, because you bring it up, did you see Elon Musk's tweet this week where he was like pointing out that the safety nets they're putting on the sides are costing more than the actual bridge and have taken longer to install than the bridge originally took to construct? <laughs> like, are you joking? <laughs> yeah, I saw that this morning. <laughs> that doesn't that surprise true? me. Is that true? What did he say? I, there must be great nets. Yeah, it must be some really good nets. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I haven't fact checked it, but because uh, you have to do that a bit with Elon Musk, but um, it it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me the way US projects can run now. The time oh, they take, the word. money they take, shocking, shocking stuff. Anyway, back to this bridge in Italy, which does not exist yet, guys. Despite it being, as we've all said, a bit of a no-brainer, um, there's a few reasons for that. There's, there's, well, as we said in the video, the the two main things that tend to slow down a uh, massive infrastructure projects are either engineering or political issues and budgets and rows about who wants it where and is it going to benefit people all this sort of stuff this bridge has run into both of those things we're going to start off by chatting about the engineering because that's the bit that's been largely solved 
uh, albeit with some difficulty. And then we're going to come on to the political stuff. So uh, the plan is for a single span suspension bridge running from Torre Faro in Sicily across to v- uh, <laughs> Villa San Giovanni on the Italian mainland. I've butchered that. I know I've butchered it, but I <laughs> thought doing a kind of a Mario or Luigi Italian accent would be deeply offensive. So I've just decided to do butchered English. <laughs> um, the idea for a single span solves the first issue this bridge faces. So by not putting piers in the water, by not building bridge towers and piers in the water, the team don't have to build in amongst these strong currents. Uh, and also you make sure you keep uh, the shipping lane open. There's no obstacles, there's no columns, nothing to crash into. So it's a good idea to put your bridge piers and structures on the land on either side. But what that means is you create an absolutely enormous span across the middle. And this, if it were to be constructed, would be the largest suspension bridge in the world, easily beating Turkey's current Shanakali Bridge by over a kilometre. It is a massive, massive project. Mm. The other thing about putting the towers on shore is it gives them a firmer footing to withstand seismic activity. So I mentioned this is obviously on a tectonic plate boundary, which isn't good. Uh, so they've uh, designed it in such a way that they can build much stronger footings on land. There's also going to be uh, buffer systems allowing the deck to flex. The whole thing is going to be kept in place by these enormous steel anchors containing five and a half million cubic meters of concrete and steel on either side of the strait. So it is a mammoth, mammoth feat of engineering. The other thing that's quite interesting is making a big span like that means that you've got very extreme wind loads hit in the middle of the bridge right out in the center of the strait. So instead of one single deck, there's actually three separate boxes. You've got two for roads and one in the middle for a railway. And that's all reinforced with cross beams about every 30 meters or so. Uh, and the whole thing can flex and move and there's movement joints. Um, the open structure allows winds to pass through the elements that kind of passes through the bridge and the bridge deflects wind loads that way rather than trying to sort of face them and fight them head on. It allows wind to flow through its structure more, reducing its resistance to the wind and helping it to surf those those wind currents better. So it's an enormous project. As I said, we didn't actually get permission to show you renders or pictures of this bridge. So we had to build our own model of the bridge, which I think we've done a better job on, quite honestly. Watch out for other YouTube channels stealing that at some point, because they always do. But anyway, it's our model, originally created by an in-house motion graphics guy, Vince, who's done an amazing job of it. And we've used that to communicate and show you what this bridge is going to look like, how the engineering works, and uh, yeah, what, what, what it's going to be. Um, why weren't you allowed to use images of the bridge? We just What's never got that? an answer, right? It was just kicked around lots of different people, uh, and no one ever really came back to us. So different departments uh, referred us on to other people, and yeah, it just never actually went anywhere. But without explicit commission, without explicit permission. We couldn't put them in, so. <laughs> so, so is there is there actual pictures? Do they exist? They there aren't a lot around. No, and and what's been really interesting, I think, what's been more interesting is that no one really wants to talk about this bridge. So, uh, this is where we're going to come onto the political challenges. But there was there was press conferences earlier this year where it was confirmed to be in Italy's twenty twenty four budget plans, but. Any other details on construction progress, official confirmation of what it looks like, when it's happening, who's building it, is all pretty hard to come by. It's been kicked around for decades in Italy. This political struggle around it has been huge. 
Uh, and we did bring that to life in a little football analogy in the video, which was really good fun, which we're going to play for you now. If all the engineering challenges have been solved, then why hasn't it been built and why can't we show you what it's going to look like? Well, while the bridge is a masterclass in how the power of engineering can seemingly overcome any challenge, it's also a cautionary tale in how politics can turn the possible into the impossible. Many Italians are weary about the prospect of the bridge being built, which is no surprise as the project's been kicked around like a political football for decades. Okay, let's try and do this as quickly as possible. In 1969, a design competition kicked off the official interest to build the bridge. It got passed around for a while until the official Messina Strait Company was set up in 1981. Preliminary work dribbled around for a couple of decades until 2005, when it was passed to an official consortium featuring architects Dissing and Wheatling, engineers Covey, and construction firm Impreglio, now WeBuild. They crossed it to Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi and planned to start work the next year. But in May 2006, Berlusconi was kicked out of office, and in October the plan was struck down by the Italian Parliament. But by 2008, Berlusconi was back in power and the bridge was back on. But Berlusconi only lasted three years in office, and in 2011 the bridge was once again axed by his successor Mario Monti. But then in 2016, Monti's successor Matteo Renzi intercepted the project and promised to reconsider, but forgot all about it and the bridge went out of play. In 2020, the bridge was thrown back in by another PM, Giuseppe Conti. Things didn't look good when in 2021 his government collapsed, and a year later in 2022 when his successor's government also collapsed. But earlier this year, sweeping in from the far right is new PM Giorgio Meloni and Transport Minister Matteo Salvini, who signed the decree ordering the bridge's construction and calling it a historic day for Italy and the dream of millions. So yeah, pretty shocking stuff there. It's 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 almost comedic to follow because we had we had to do it in that way because it's been kicked around and buffered around so much in political circles. I think the other challenge you've got here, and we talk about it in the video, is and, and we've seen this with other tunnel and bridge products as well. The ferry companies gain a lot from running ferries across these waters. So there is staunch opposition and lawsuits from the ferry companies who really don't want it built. There's a lot of local opposition. There's talk of organized crime groups opposing it as well. So there's lots of things around this that are making it quite difficult for a political leader to come in and go, yes, we're going to build this bridge when there's there are other forces at play, basically. So I think what's happened here is a new government's come into Italy. Another new government has come into Italy. And they've gone, yes, let's do it. Stick it in the budget, crack on, and then run into probably the same problems as other people. So... But yeah, just the story of what this bridge looks like, the size of the engineering challenge it presents, and the battle that Italy's having to build something that should really be a no-brainer is mm. is shocking. But this is the furthest the project's been, right? This is the furthest it's got. You know, and this has been this has been kicked about since the two thousands, right? The early two thousands. Well, well, since the Romans. <laughs> but but this is the closest to like it, it actually becoming reality. Okay, I'm pretty sure Julius Caesar said, "I want to build the Strait of Messina bridge," and then everyone's <laughs> like, "No, meat and turn sour." He was stabbed to death, and that was it. When uh, do you when do you think <laughs> they would have had the technology to build this bridge? I think that you could have built it a long time ago. And then, uh, what's interesting is in the video we show another proposal that's been put forward by uh, a Sicilian architect. Uh, and he's got piers in the water. So much more like the Golden Gate Bridge, you've got the bridge piers actually out in the water. The tech is there. You could build a causeway, um, albeit with some difficulty. It exists. You could build a tunnel pretty easily. I would be a yeah, lot more money. Yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 know, I know. Yeah, I know we could build it. I was just wondering when you think, when was the earliest 
do you think they could have built this? We're talking about, you know, the Romans and things like that. I was just wondering when we would have had the tech for this. Would it have been around when the sort of Golden Gate Bridge was done? Yeah, I was just about to say, Golden Gate Bridge, obviously, at the time was was just an impossible bridge and it kind of proved everyone wrong. But I think the expertise was there probably from, yeah, the 1930s up to 40s and 50s, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and I think... It's easy to um, forget, especially if you don't live in Italy or, you know, close to Italy. It's easy to forget the political landscape is very complex and goes through a lot of changes. I mean, we heard uh, throughout that video that we just played, that audio clip of the football analogy, which is fantastic. Uh, Silvio Berlusconi, like... That guy, you know, that guy. <laughs> bunga bunga the, parties. <laughs> well, <laughs> I remember growing up and just hearing his name on the news, like, a lot. And yeah. I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> As a kid thinking, who is this guy? And, yeah, it, it, I think it's it must be quite frustrating for, you know, the normal people, the working people in, in, in Italy, particularly the South and Sicily, that can see the potential. You know, like I said, such an amazing country. Italy's been there. They've done that. They've created and given so much to the world. And yeah, to kind of know that there's a solution there, a really good solution to a problem that's ancient. And yet there doesn't seem to be any clear communication about it. They go back and forth on it. Oh, it must be yeah, really I mean, there are deeper issues here. So there's, there's kind of deeper forces at play who really don't want this bridge built. Mm. But I think it goes back to the thing we often talk about, which is that infrastructure projects require long-term commitment. And what you have, often in politics, is short-term governments and short-term political views. You know, At best, four to five years. But in Italy and in the UK, I have to say recently, there's a lot of turmoil. You know, <laughs> It's just leaders come and go all the time, politics. Pol- Politics changes, priorities change. So trying to get something built is is a struggle. I find I was listening to a podcast the other day, and one of the questions was uh, it was about called US politics and stuff. Who's your favorite US president? And the figure that came up a lot was FDR because he got so much done around infrastructure. Um, and they were kind of highlighting him as someone who really just pushed things through and got stuff done. Mm. And yeah, you look at his infrastructure achievements and the the New Deal and stuff. That's huge, huge stuff, and we almost need a bit more of that today. You know, I think that the Biden infrastructure plan in America is is good, but it's beset by all kinds of issues that the US now has around budgets and how long it takes to build things and environmental review processes and stuff. That's almost what needs to happen here. You need someone at the start of their term to go right. We're building this. We're pushing it through. It's happening. Crack on. And even if you can't finish it during your time on the political scene, getting it to a stage where it can't be turned back from and you need to just crack on and finish it is is where you need to get to. I mean, yeah, you're spot on, mate. You're spot on. If if it were to be like, um, if, if they were to go, right, 2024, we've got the money for it, we're cracking on, how long would it take to build something like this? Well, this is the thing, right? So in theory... Uh, on a straightforward, nice construction project without any government issues or supply chain problems, you could do this in 18 months, two years, I would say. I know that's ambitious, but we've built things like that before. Yeah, we've built things like that before quicker. Um, In history, I'm saying here, I'm I'm thinking back to kind of 1930s infrastructure builds in the US. Right. But 
it won't be. It's already $12 billion to build this thing. It's going to be, it's going to take longer than planned and it's going to cost more money. And I don't say that as a skeptic. I say that based on the, the, the data we've seen on almost every infrastructure project in every country over the last few years. Like, if it, I would be more surprised if it were built on time and on budget. Hmm. Yeah. Great words of encouragement there from me <laughs> for the project team. <laughs> Good luck, guys. <laughs> anyway, guys, let us know what you think of this. Have you been across the Strait of Messina? Have you had a similar ferry experience to Liam? Should they build the bridge? Shouldn't they build the bridge? Uh, maybe submit your designs for a bridge. Maybe go onto old Mid Journey AI, type in Scylla and Charybdis bridge and see what you get. <laughs> <laughs> see what you get out of that uh, guys get your comments coming in podcast at the b1m.com we want to know what you think also in the news this week we had some uh, fantastic footage released by real madrid of their new santiago bernabeu stadium which has been completely remodeled it looks completely different now to the original stadium incredible upgrade stuff's gone on they've done drone footage they've done time-lapse footage it looks really good and we shared a load of this on our social media during this week really great team there at real madrid thanks for thanks for working with us guys on this stuff uh, but the most interesting thing is this new retractable pitch they've put in so like many stadiums there is the uh, desire to slide the pitch out of the stadium for uh, all kinds of different reasons so if you think of the Allegiant stadium in vegas that pitch can completely slide out of the stadium. They can uh, lay it out in the car park, effectively, is where, it, is where it slides out to, for all kinds of reasons. Get sunlight on it, different kinds of irrigation, but also to stage concerts and different events in the stadium itself. So it can be adapted to other things. You can have 20,000 people come and stand on the pitch cheering for Taylor Swift without leaving a load of rubbish on the pitch. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> handy. Real Madrid wanted to do that, but obviously where their stadium is, is slap bang in the centre of Madrid and things are a little bit congested. They haven't got a massive car park like most uh, US stadiums have. <laughs> they have public transport instead. So uh, they've come up with this very, very clever system where the, the pitch is basically split into segments and then automatically lowered down into this massive chamber underground where it's then stored <laughs> and lit with artificial light, which helps it grow and keeps it you know nice and nice and pitch-like, uh, and it's watered and looked after. This thing is incredible, right? So you, again, you have to see this video. It's amazing. The pitch uh, breaks up into these like long strips, and then each strip is pulled across by these, these kind of huge steel beams that retract into the side of the stadium and then lower each bit of the pitch down into this, this huge, almost like ship dock-type-looking uh, underground structure absolutely amazing this blows me away this sort of stuff um and it just speaks to the state of the art tech you've got in this stadium it's, it's awesome right i'm not a football fan guys but come on this is this is as good as football gets right <laughs> yes yes mate yes mate especially while jude bellingham's over there causing trouble at real madrid and in la liga absolutely killing it what a lad um listen this is amazing Absolutely amazing. The 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 the, the reclad job, like the outside of the Bernabeu now looks absolutely sensational. It's one of the best looking stadiums probably in the world. Um and this just adds to it, doesn't it? It's just so impressive. It's it's like something out of a sci-fi film. And the fact that we're at a point where we can just like move a whole pitch just underground, mm. it's just it's it it goes to show what we can do when when we do invest. 
you know, when we do kind of make the decision to go, yeah, this will be worth it. Sensational, mate. One of the coolest things I think we've seen like on, on, on the podcast probably in the last, well, since recording. It's just so impressive. Ooh, so I feel impressive. like you say that quite a lot, Luke. I feel like it's getting, we're getting better. We're getting better every week. Yeah, it's getting yeah. better every week. It's not, it's not all the time. You listen back, long-term listeners know that I can be a little bit negative about a few things, but I think, I think this, the caliber of a few things later have been re- like really impressive. Yeah. Really no, impressive. No pets at home here. This is, no. this is differently, mate. This is, this is the antithesis of pets at home, Kenya, mate. This is, this is <laughs> the one. This is the one. How, how fun it would it be um, being one of the engineers on this and they sort of get the brief from Real Madrid and they're like, we want a retractable pitch, right? And someone's like, all right, let's cut it up into segments and we'll retract it that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a like good example of problem solving. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. There's, oh. there's some fantastic comments on this and some hilarious comments on this. Uh, someone's saying, I see a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, what if they slowly took segments of the pitch away during extra time? <laughs> um, it'd be funny to start moving the pitch during a match. Uh, yeah, similar sort of comments there. Someone's saying, is this why the season tickets at Real Madrid are so expensive? <laughs> <laughs> yes probably uh, another person this is a very kind comment uh saying my favorite youtube channel and my favorite team just got together can't wait to see more videos on this oh oh flipping it that's the that's one that's one example out of the eight billion people in the world we found the one person who's willing to put b1m and real madrid in the same sentence so. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I really want to go i really want to go see a game in uh, at the bernabeu so that's kind of something i'd really like to do in in, in the next year or two so i'm not fussed yeah. about that i'd rather just sit for the end of the match when everyone's gone home and just watch this watch this uh <laughs> bit of field go underground we'll with go. popcorn we'll go together mate i'll go for the game and then I'll lob you my ticket and you can come in at the end. And they have a actually do stadium tours, right? So I could go to Madrid and have a little stadium tour, couldn't I? It's um, oh, not cheap, though. I would do that as well. I would I'd definitely do that. Definitely do that. Yeah, yeah, love this, mate. Great I don't project. know much about football either, so I feel like it'd be a bit wasted on me. <laughs> I thought it was called Real Madrid and it was Real Madrid. Nice to me. <laughs> I joke. I joke. <laughs> well, guys, let us know what you think about that. Um uh, it seems to be it seems to be very popular. I mean, Real Madrid obviously a massive team, but uh, even despite who people support, lots of uh, lots of nice comments and feedback on that video because it is an impressive feat of engineering. Now to balance things out, we're going for a much smaller project. Now we're heading on down to Tulum in Mexico, where a very unusual new office building has been unveiled. So this is by Roth Architecture. It's going to become their new. What, they're actually dubbing this the Fab Lab. Okay, I kid, I kid you not. I'm not sure how long the brainstorming session was, but they came up with Fab Lab. They've gone with that. Uh, it's their new offices. It's where they're going to house all kinds of fabrication machinery because they're exploring prefabrication techniques. So you've got 3D printers, laser cutters, some offices in here. It's all very interesting stuff. But uh, the most interesting bit is the offices themselves. These incredible kind of natural forms. Uh, they're designed to mimic the jungle. So you've got jungle leaves, insect wing structures, and they were made with reinforced concrete steel and palm fibers. Uh, this is pretty crazy. We shared it because uh, it's interesting, it's eye-catching, and it was also a bit of a slow week for news stories. So um, here it is. Mm. But <laughs> let me know what you guys think. I'm being honest. I'm being I, honest. I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. 
I I do I do think it's quite cool though. It's quite funky, isn't it? Um, it, it I mean, I don't watch Star Wars, Luke. You do a Star Wars podcast. This to me feels like saying Star Wars, big time. Yeah, big time, big time. And I think that's kind of uh, that's to its credit. I'll say that it looks really really cool. I don't know how practical it is, you know, but it is really beautiful. I think. Yeah, mm. I'm just trying to think what's going on on slide four. Is, is that a table? <laughs> oh, the fifth. Was, the fifth one. Is it the fifth? Sorry, bench. yeah. The I always bench, like to bench. try like imagine when I'm when I'm looking at these um, renders and things like that. I always try to imagine. I'm like, oh yeah, like imagine people and they're doing stuff. And I don't know what's going on with that. I no, feel like that's I feel like just like it's it's a nice hotel room, isn't it? Like you can see it's having a shower in there and. You know, a nice yeah. bed or something, but yeah, you know, when they move in, and like it's like our office when you move in, and people bring all their different chargers and wires and adapters, and they put their bags on the floor and they put their coats on the back of the chair rather than on the freaking <laughs> coat rack that I've bought. That's mm. when it starts to look a bit messy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I I used to do that. Yeah, you used to do that a lot. Yeah, you always well, mess. Well, while we're in Mexico, where's the cafeteria? To- There's no cafeteria on here. Yeah, the dirty one that always sits on the table. Because <laughs> no one wants to wash I it. Always, I always cleaned that. And then, nice, dear listeners, man. during uh, during COVID, there was this sudden. Obviously, the lockdown was kind of happened overnight, and we didn't know it was coming. And the uh, the cafetiere was left dirty on the side. So three months later, I managed to get back to the office and found <laughs> this basically decomposing cafetiere. And I just dropped the whole thing in the bin. I was like, no, hmm. we cannot use that ever again. I'm just going to spend thirty quid and buy another one. <laughs> While we're in Mexico. Is there any update on the um, the train running through there? Because I vaguely remember it stopping in Tulum. Yeah, it does have That's a Cancun. it does have a stop in Tulum. Yeah. I don't know, mate. Is the answer? Not sure. Trend cool Meyer, isn't it? Mm, I was going to call it the Mayan Express for some reason. <laughs> well, <that's> a <laughs> but I held back. <laughs> That's a better name for it because we've got um, we've got Rodrigo in our podcast intro going podcast intro podcast intro Rodrigo <laughs> saying uh, I am against the train the way it's being done right now yeah that's it that's yeah good, I mean they're like carving out like native land and like caves that have been around for millions of years and things like that right mm. Mm. first Trenmire coach to build a bridge Let's build a bridge. <laughs> What, over the jungle. <laughs> anyway, these offices in Tulum looking very nice. Few comments on this. People saying loving how the architecture and nature are coexisting in tandem, which is very nice. Uh, people saying very Gaudi-ish. It looks very interesting. Mm. Great place for an architecture practice. Uh, nice concept, but can't see how it's going to be used practically, is what someone's saying. Someone else says the capsules look a bit claustrophobic, which I can sort of understand. Uh, and then Hamid, uh, which is <laughs> probably my favourite comment, saying, why do I not feel comfortable looking at this? And that kind of sums up, I think, what most of us think. It's like, ah, nice buildings. Are they practical? What's it really about? I don't know. Anyway, definitely eye-catching and interesting. So it made the podcast. Oh, love it. Love it, mate. Let's head on down to the uh, the inbox. What you got for us this week, Luke? Right. We got an email in from uh, Chris Martin. That he says... Oh, from Coldplay? Not the, yeah, well, he says, not the Coldplay lead. 
He must, or he, is must, it? he must get that all the time. Huh? Yeah, it drives him mad. I think he does. Mm. I think he does. What, did you get one, um, Fred? Sorry. What? Is there another famous Fred Mills? <laughs> there was a boxer. So there was a boxer called Fred Mills. And, and always on my parents' generation or older, they're always like, oh, I know a famous boxer called Fred Mills. Like, yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah. I heard that. And then I get, uh, there's a US senator. I think the state senator in Louisiana is called Fred Mills. Because he, he voted against something. He, he voted on something recently and people didn't like it. And I was getting tagged in all the wrong posts. <laughs> I just, my phone was just blowing up with hate one day. Like, you said, yeah. so I know, yeah, those two guys. But obviously, there's only one, there's only really one in front of me. I'll say. Of course, of course. Well, Chris is asking this. He goes, What do you think the future of skyscrapers will be for London? The city of London and Canary Wharf are running out of room. Do you think we are looking at the last few skyscrapers that will go up in London or could a new district emerge and where? He goes to say, I do think Canary Wharf has some responsibility for somewhat wasting their limited spaces with some quick, boring high rises. If they'd been more careful and considerate, they could have really made a world-class unique skyline and to make good use of the limited real estate and, frankly, rare opportunity that Canary Wharf offers. City of London does this uniqueness well because the space matters, but unfortunately, I do think a lot of Canary Wharf has been wasted. Um, interested to hear your thoughts. What, what, what do you reckon, Fred? Oof. Fred Adair? No fact, Canary Wharf, is he? Mm. Blimey, mm. that was the right sting in there. Stinging criticism. What, 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 did he come up with the DLR at all? Mentioned Elizabeth. No, Klein? no, he hasn't. He hasn't. Fortunately, it's not like no, he, he's. He, into respects, Town. he okay. respects the DLR. Yeah, he respects the DLR. But <laughs> it's I a good see, question. So yeah, go on. Sorry, go on, mate. What are you going to say? No, 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 no. No, I want. I want to hear what you think first, mate. I think definitely there's going to be more skyscrapers in London, and it will happen by a new district appearing or planning rules being changed, things opening up. There's too much pressure for development in the city there's too much restriction around the green belt there's too much desire for space for more high rises not to occur in london and i'm not sure where they're going to occur but uh you look at like Vauxhall, battersea nine elms that wasn't skyscrapers now it's literally transformed as a new cluster mm. same with canary wharf over the last 30 years it's been it's been huge so yeah i definitely think there's uh there's going to be more to come uh, in time what they look like and whether their offices are residential hold a bait you could potentially see them pushing out even further from the city where they are now even more into shoreditch right because shoreditch it's encroaching it all those new residential massive residential towers you can see them sort of every couple of years is sort of a new one moving that sort of that east that direction yeah yeah, spot on, mate. Like, especially you think um, there's a lot of mid rises that have been built in like Old Street sort of area, right? And like toward Liverpool Street, you've you've kind of got a line of towers moving that way. Yeah, spot on. I, you know, Chris, I think um, I don't. It, it, the truth is, I don't think they're running out of room, mate. And I think if uh, I mean, if you walk around Canary Wharf, Fred and I did the other day. You walk around it. There's a lot of buildings there that could still be knocked down, uh, like a lot of stuff from like the 90s and 80s. Things that look like they've just been built on the outskirts of Chelmsford, and they're just plonked in between like the Wardian building and you know <laughs> actual Canary Wharf. And you're like, hang on, <laughs> you know why? Why is that there? 
clearly, it, you know, it's going it's going to be developed. There's also like huge plots of lands, like the, the the notorious empty plot of land where J.P. Morgan were meant to be building, like a huge, huge skyscraper development, and that's been sat empty since the two thousands. Um, I think the square mile probably has has you know uh, less space to do this kind of th- kind of stuff, but I think London will always figure out a way, mate. I think the Docklands won't stop anytime soon, and I think it the, the, the skyline will incorporate things like Greenwich and Canning Town, Poplar. So it's all forward, mate. If you're a skyscraper fan, the only way is up. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think it's interesting that they come up with solutions to build over stuff as well. So there's a lot of uh, train stations, as I mentioned, have kind of sold air rights and they build skyscrapers over the towers. That was talked about at Liverpool Street. Obviously, what's been put forward at Liverpool Street is a bit different to that now. But they've kicked it around at Waterloo, Victoria for a long time. London Bridge famously now has the Shard above it. I can see other skyscrapers rising up around oh, the yeah. Shard, potentially, because it's a bit out on its own, really, the Shard. Um, so, yeah, I also think there's this other stuff around. This is more about sort of towns in the UK. But there's this talk about housing density and how you give it, get everything you need in a town without it sprawling out across the countryside too much. And there's this big concept about putting um, basically superstores so supermarkets think the massive like supermarkets that have no windows no light a massive car park next to them mm. you put all of that underground and you put housing on top so you have your underground car park your massive supermarket which has no windows anyway I'm thinking like these mega stores that have got you know like a home section clothes yeah all yeah, of, yeah 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 like big, big Tesco big Tesco yeah 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 I'm trying I'm like a massive Walmart in the US is what I'm thinking <laughs> but yeah you put all that underground and you build on top of it so are there sites in London where you've got like warehouses you've got uh, supermarkets you know massive stuff like that that you could put underground to build on top of it's expensive but if the demand's there and you can make it happen and make a return developers will do it big time big time yeah good email yeah it was wasn't it thanks chris martin cold play lead or not yeah cheers mate keep them coming keep them coming mate <laughs> thanks so much well let us know what you thought about this episode guys get your comments coming in podcast at the b1m.com we might read them out you might have them uh, analyzed slash mocked here by me luke and liam so <laughs> get them coming in and let us know what you think it's been a good episode for you guys had a good time luke it's been the best mate italy you know, Bridges, Real Madrid, and a place that looked a bit Star Wars-y. It ticks all the boxes for me, doesn't it? It's, yeah. it's the perfect episode, maybe. I'm not going to ask Liam, because whenever I ask him, he just goes, yeah, it was right, yeah. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah. It's been good. It's been, it's been great. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's all we're getting. <laughs> and Liam's not even complained about, like, his Italian in-laws or anything, you know. I thought oh, he might he might go down that route, but he didn't. He was he was restrained, you know. So, well done, mate. I'm wrapping up there for Liam's sake, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Keep tuning in, and we're going to see you, or rather, speak to you next week. What were the questions, mate? Ha <laughs> ha!